0: Good morning. All right. Good morning, church family. Happy Sabbath. Thank you for having us this morning. Thank you to Danielle and also to her mom, which I found out this morning is your mom, uh, to Mary as well. You have an incredible leadership team in this church, organized, and they want to praise Jesus. So during this week, we have been in contact and we have been talking Uh, Along with your pastor. Uh, I want to thank your pastor for allowing me to preach behind his pulpit uh, this morning. I love your pastor. In fact, I was here when we hired your pastor. And I don't mean here, I mean in this position. He's only got one problem he is way too tall. I think he is our tallest pastor, if not one of our tallest, in the whole conference. I do look up to him. I always will until Jesus comes. I have told Pastor Art, I say, some things here on earth are not right. But when Jesus comes, he's going to make everything right. And I'm going to look at him eye to eye. I promise you. So I want to thank him for allowing me uh, this morning to be able to preach It is a privilege any time we open up our mouths and share that name of Jesus. I want you to know a little bit about our conference. Yes, I serve as ministerial director, which is a privilege. Uh, It is a privilege to serve the conference. In other words, to serve you. I work for you, and I am here to serve you. Just to let you know, we have about 200 pastors Close to 200 pastors. We serve all the way from Key West. So we go all the way down to the Keys, and then we go almost all the way up Tallahassee area, a little bit there. So imagine covering that whole territory. That is what we do. We have a little bit more than 300 churches in our conference. Uh, That includes companies, that includes uh, the churches that are beginning our groups. But that is who we serve, and I praise God that our church continues to grow. In Florida, we are about a little bit more than 70,000 strong Adventists that are sharing the gospel, sharing the fact that Jesus is coming soon to take us home. That is the foundation of the Adventist church. It is Jesus The love of Jesus, the sacrifice of the cross, the resurrection, and that we're not alone because he's coming back to take us home. That is who we are. Then, of course, when you fall in love with Jesus, isn't that true? We follow what he would like for us to do, but it is because of our love for him. Every church is a little bit different and my love for Jesus will not stop me preaching the gospel. So every church is different. I want you to know that. Some churches I get to and I have to preach in a suit. I wanna tell you that today I took off my jacket, I loosened the noose a little bit, and my tie a little bit, and I'll tell you we'll preach the gospel. I've been in churches where I've been caught on camera. Today everything is on camera. When we started 26 years ago, pastor, not everything was on camera, but today everything is on camera. So I've had my eyes open during the prayer because I don't know if we're standing, sitting, kneeling, what are we doing? But I will do anything for the gospel. I will take it off, put it on. I will do whatever is needed. I will do it for the gospel, to preach the gospel. So I beg you, and I see it here, don't ever let anything get in the way of Jesus. The Adventist church is Jesus. So I praise God that once again, we get to hear and speak about the love of Jesus. Now we spoke about Pastor Art, and many times the pastor is the one that gets all the recognition. And I have to say that there is no secrets. We know, and I know Because there's no way that I would be where I am at today without my wife. 20 plus years of marriage. In fact, I think she's looking uh, right now online. She couldn't be with us. My son Isaac is with me. He is my traveling buddy. I'm going to lose him in about four months. He graduates from high school and is taken off to college. We will be empty nesters, so pray for my wife. But I tell you, I know that it wouldn't be possible without my wife. So I want to thank Pastor Art. I want to thank him for all he does. I want to thank him for his sacrifice. I want to thank him for the long hours. I want to thank him for the sleepless nights. That's what we do as pastors when we accept to preach and to be missionaries out in the world and be able to preach. But many times we overlook the spouse. We overlook the children. So I want to ask right now if Vivian, if Victor, if Maya would come up to the front. We have a little something on behalf of the Florida Conference and the ministerial team for them. It's the least that we can do. You'll notice I have absolutely nothing for your pastor because he gets paid every month on the 27th of the month. So we gift him, we give him every single month, Vivian, and and you know that. But we have to thank you and your family for all that you do. Vivian, this is for you, and the little gift in there is not for Pastor Art. It is all for you, every dollar. So we want that for you, okay? That's the gift inside. May God bless you always. This is for you. There's a lot of little things in there. I asked your dad what you like because I didn't want your mom to know that we were going to give you guys this, but that's a little bit something of what your dad told us you like. If you don't like it, blame him. Okay? (laughs) All right. Thank you, Maya. Victor, this is for you too. I hear you're an athlete. You like football. I need a high five because you like the Miami Dolphins. Your dad doesn't, but we do. Right? Go Dolphins. I know we're not supposed to say that from the pulpit, but we're going to say it. So here's a little something for you as well. We just want you to know we love you guys. And I want Victor and I want Maya especially to know. I heard all my life because I'm a pastor's son as well. I heard all my life, oh, you're a pastor's kid and you're supposed to be like this and you're supposed to be like that. I want you to know what your church expects out of you as pastor's kids. Are you ready? They expect you to love Jesus and be normal human beings. Is that okay? So, Victor, every day you fall in love with Jesus. You have a personal relationship with Jesus. Maya, same for you. Every single day we want you to fall in love with Jesus, and we want you both to know, Victor and Maya, that the Seventh-day Adventist church loves you. And that the fact that your dad is a pastor is a privilege. It really, really is. I loved being a pastor's kid. I don't have any of those stories. I have the story that in my home, they shared Jesus with me. And that's why I'm still here today. So the church loves you. The conference loves you. We just want to be with you. When Jesus comes, we want to walk alongside of you into the kingdom of God. Is that okay? All right, church family, would you allow me to pray with them? Yes. Thank you for all that you do here at the church, Vivian. We appreciate you. Let me pray with you. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for this beautiful pastoral family. I thank you, Lord, for what they do here for your kingdom. Lord, continue to bless Vivian and everything that she does as she walks alongside her husband, Art. And as they preach, Lord, that Jesus is coming soon to take them home. Father, be with Victor every single day. May he feel loved and surrounded by Jesus. Father, be with Maya as she continues to grow. Father, may she also know that the church, your church, loves her and loves them as they grow in you. Father, bless them, surround them, and camp around them always. We dedicate them to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. We love you. All right. You have a beautiful, beautiful pastor's family. Now I've been challenged this morning to finish by 12:15. I want you to know that there are modern day miracles still today. My son is one of them. I'm five foot six. He's taller. That is a miracle. And I love that. But I want you to know that I don't know if the miracle of 12:15 will happen this morning. We're going to try. We're going to try, but we're going to stretch it out a little bit if that's OK with you. I get excited. I get happy to preach about Jesus. If I make a mistake, Pastor Art will have to pick up the pieces when I leave. I promise you I won't be back for a little while because I got to get to other churches. So hopefully you'll forgive me. You'll edit today's sermon and then Pastor Art will fix it. But I get excited to preach about Jesus. It's what I live for. It's what I do. So, allow me, please, to share with you a little bit on how God is always with us, no matter what we face on this earth. You see, there are certain promises in the Bible that, that are true today, and we forget about them. It's easy sometimes to preach, but it's hard to live the sermon. It's easy to share the gospel, but you gotta live the gospel. So I don't know what tomorrow brings, but I do know that the Bible says the Lord will never leave me. That's a promise. No matter if I got the promotion or if I got fired. Do you understand? So it's easy to remember the promise with the promotion. It's hard to remember the promise when we're no longer with a job. But the Bible promises, and I'll share a little bit with you. I I went to a church not too long ago, and they had these 100 promises of God's word. One hundred. It says in the book of Exodus 14, 14, Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament, Exodus 14, 14, the Lord will fight for you. Do you believe that? No matter what you face, the Lord will fight for you. My children are getting older. I got an 18 and 19-year-old, and they want to become men. They want to be independent. But I love when something shakes their world a little bit, and then they say, Dad, can you help me? And I say, as your father, I will always fight for you. I will always be there for you. So if we, as human parents, are like that for our children, imagine when you pray and you say, I was just diagnosed. Can you help me? There's a promise that the heavens stop when the children of God pray. There's a promise in the Bible that, that, that when we pray, heavens say, shh, shh. They're asking, they're pleading, they're praising, they're singing hallelujahs. I didn't have this in the sermon, but I've shared it across the state. I'll never forget. I went to Walmart. My children were tiny. They were, they were little. I'm talking about two, three, four years old. I take them to Walmart. My wife was, was either working or studying. She's done both in our marriage early on. And, and, and she, she had, thank God, the trust in her husband to take her children because beware of a mother with her children. The closest love that I can compare to God's love is the love of a mother towards her children. And my wife said, can you take the children? I take them to Walmart as soon as I got there. I don't know about you, but children when they're two, three, or four, they have this energy and this love for life that I wish we had sometimes. So I love to hear the children this morning. I love to see them when they come up. please don't quiet the children in the church. Please allow the children to have fun in church. Please allow the children to feel free in church. That energy comes from from God. That happiness, that movement comes from God. That's how we should be as children of God. Energized and happy because we have a savior that fights on our behalf. So I take them to Walmart and here I was in Walmart and all of a sudden I look around and the worst thing that could ever happen to a father happens. One of the kids takes off. Let me tell you here, the one that took off had the best intentions. The children don't do it to scare the parents. They they just want to have fun. They're free. So many toys, so much clothes, so many aisles to hide in. And in a matter of three seconds, I have the other one. I squeezed his hand, but I lost the other one. Now, let me tell you, there's nothing that is worse for a father to know that he's lost a child and the mother doesn't know. I am one of those. My mind already started running at 100 miles an hour. How in the world am I gonna face Monica when I get home? Can you imagine? You entrusted me with your children. I love your children, but I lost one. I'm thinking divorce. I'm thinking 911. I'm thinking getting kicked out of the house. I could already see the bags in the front on the sidewalk. Who will I call? I'm thinking all these things as people in Walmart are just going about their lives like nothing had happened. But to me, the world had collapsed. Many times in our lives, we're going through things and we think the world doesn't care because it just keeps going. But I want you to know that in those moments, your heavenly Father hears you. He doesn't hear the noise. He sees the one that is crying. And there I was in my heart crying unto my father, please allow me to look and find my son. It's the most beautiful thing or the most beautiful story that I can share with you now because I'm on this side. But with tears in my eyes, the only thing that came up was close your eyes and listen for his cry. And I did just that. I had one little boy, I'm missing the other, and I'm listening to the chaos and looking at the chaos and everybody's running and everybody's screaming and everybody's shouting. And like a crazy man, I stood as people walked by. And at that moment, I didn't care what people thought. I didn't care what people were looking at. I didn't care if I was on social media. I didn't care what it was. I was missing a child. And I closed my eyes. The most beautiful thing happened as I closed my eyes, I could hear among and amidst the chaos, I could hear the little voice going, Papi, Papi. I said, there he is. You see, it was the most beautiful voice because it was my son's voice. It was a voice that I had heard before. It was a voice that had cried to me before. It was a voice that that I could recognize. And church family, I kid you not, with my eyes closed, I started to walk. And I started to walk with my little boy looking for my other little boy and I found him. He thought it was the funniest thing in the world to hide in a clothing rack and say, Papi, to see if daddy would find him. When I found him, believe me, everything crossed my mind. But he laughed. And he grabbed my leg and he just squeezed me and hugged me and was so happy that I had played his game of hide and go seek and I had found him. I want you to know that those are God's promises. You see, that's why the Bible, sometimes we we, we are too much of an adult and we forget to be a child in the arms of God and he says, I'll fight for you. You see, that little boy didn't care if there was 500 people at Walmart or five people, because it was his daddy that was looking for him. He had no doubt that his daddy would find him, that his daddy would get to him, that he would soon grab his daddy's leg and then grab his arm. You see, those are the promises of God when we when we go through tough times, but we forget that. And the Bible says. Don't forget it. That's why the Bible is full of, I'm here for you. I will fight for you. I'm coming for you. And he comes and he's born as a baby, human being, the greatest rescue in humankind. Here is Jesus. And we forget that he gave it all, left it all, because he loved you. He had to find you. But we forget lives, resurrects, and now continues in the New Testament to to tell us, to tell us that he's coming again to take us home. Now, the most beautiful thing is if you believe that, you can live every single day knowing that he'll find you and knowing that you're saved. Now, I got to be careful. I've gotten in trouble. I share it all across the state. I got to be careful. I'm not preaching once saved, always saved. You see, every morning before I got up, before I came up to preach, I accepted Jesus as my personal Savior. I stand before you not sinless as a sinner, knowing that I'm saved through the blood of Jesus and the resurrection of the Son of God. That is why we're here. But don't forget his promises. And you see, I get excited. I got to get to the sermon that wasn't even on the notes. couple other promises. God's mercies are new every morning. Did you know that? As a child, a child did not worry. My 18-year-old this morning did not worry about breakfast. Because even at 18, he knows dad will supply his every need. That's our father. Continues, and it says in Isaiah 40:31, God will renew your strength. Are you weak this morning? Are you ready to give up this morning? It says, it says it's, it's okay. He will renew your spirit. The Lord will be with you, Isaiah 43, 2. It says God's love will not be shaken. So to humans, there's things that you can do for them to love you less. There's nothing you could ever do that would have God love you less. That's a hard one to understand and comprehend. That's why we will spend eternity in heaven trying to understand the love of the cross. The love of Jesus. I want to share with you this morning a, a little story. And I was happy to hear that the young lady that came up and shared that next week, we're going to be talking about the, the characters of God. So I'm going to talk to the children today. And when I say children, no disrespect to the children of God about a character in the Bible, a couple of characters in the Bible, just to remind you a little bit of God's promises. Are you ready? The book of Daniel. Let's go to the book of Daniel quickly. I love the fact that your 1209 is nice and big back there. But it's, it's, it's scaring me a little bit. One thing we can't stop is time. The book of Daniel, chapter 1, verse 1. You ready? Are the children here? I'm going I'm to talk to you a little bit about what you've already heard. These are, these are characters in the Bible. It says, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and took it over. Right? Lord, why would you allow your children to be taken? Lord, why would you allow this cancer in my life? Lord, why would you allow me to lose my job as I'm trying to provide for my family? And we can go on and on and on. And the Lord delivered, verse 2, Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into the hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. Now imagine that. They defiled the temple of God of God. They took what was holy from God, from God's children. But the Bible says that the Lord allowed it to happen. Now, the Lord allows us some things in our lives sometimes. And we do have questions. And there's a lot of conversations that I will have with Jesus the day that he comes. I want you to know that. Even as a pastor and a minister, as we preach the gospel, I have questions. I will sit at the feet of Jesus when all of you are done with Jesus, because we have eternity. So when you're done with all your questions, when you're done with all of your doubt, when you're done with whatever you want to share with Jesus, I want to sit with him. Sometimes the Lord says this will happen. And as obedient children, we allow it to happen. Because at the end of the day, he will always share with us and show us that he'll take care of us and that it was for our good. So for the sake of time, as we read the story, not only did they take the articles from the temple, but they took there was there was a command. I want you to bring the children, the men, the young men that look good that are as tall as Pastor Art and as good looking as Pastor Art and as healthy as Pastor Art, life is just not fair. He's got it all, he's tall, healthy. Vivian, you're doing a great job. And he brings back four young men. Here's our characters. Do you remember those young men? Daniel, who else? Shadrach, now these are names that were changed, right? Given to them now by the new king, right? So Shadrach, who else? Meshach, and who was the fourth? And Abednego. Now these four individuals, I have to say, get to the palace, get to this kingdom. They must have been impressed, right? This was an impressive place but all of the sudden they are given the best foods and the best wine in the country. Now I have to talk to the parents here because these young men were taught right. And I love what we do at the church and we we teach our children, we share with our children, but that will never take the place of what we do at home. Understand me. We as a church are here to help you as parents raise your children. So these children were raised right, these children were raised fearing God, knowing that they would not bow down, knowing that they were not to eat or drink some of the foods that God had said, do not eat or drink. Do you remember the story? And there what happens, they kind of cut a deal, right? Because God's children are, are smart as well. He said, hey, let's, let's cut a deal. You remember? The guy that was in charge, Aspinez, I think was his name. I'm sorry if my pronunciation isn't. Aspinaz. I'll go with yours. I like yours better. Aspinaz. So he said, for 10 days, if you just give us, which let me tell you, again, a question for God. I don't, I don't know if I can just eat vegetables and water for 10 days. But that was their deal. And after 10 days, what happened? They were healthy. They actually looked better than the other guys. Did they not? They looked good. So they passed the first trial. But here's what I want to get to. Chapter 3. You guys remember the story? Chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 90 feet high. And how many feet wide? Nine feet wide. And he set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Babylon. So imagine that. I don't know why, but here on earth, we we try to prove that we have more money than everybody else. Do we not? Let me give you a little piece of advice. There'll always be somebody that's got more money than you do. I don't care what you drive, where you live. There'll always be somebody that's got a little more than you do. But in this kingdom, King Nebuchadnezzar, he wanted to show. He wanted to demonstrate. So he builds out of gold. Imagine how much that would be worth today. 90 feet high and nine feet wide. And to show his power, this is what he does. He then summoned, you won't believe me, but I do need glasses. So I'm trying to get out of the light a little bit. <laughs> All right. It says, he then summoned the satraps, perfects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges. Do these sound like important people? So in other words, he, he called all the important people to one place. And then he said, let's see here. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, this is what, verse 4, what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the seether, the lyre, the harp, the pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold. Of King Nebuchadnezzar, the one that he has set up, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately what? Be thrown into a fiery furnace or to the blazing fire. So now we're not just talking about a command. Now we're not just talking about the the statue of of 90 feet high and, and nine feet wide. Now we're talking about life and death. Now we're talking about losing your life. And I ask the question, where are you at in your spiritual walk with Jesus? We live in a society today that's very hard to stand for what you believe in. Do we not? We live in a society where it's not cool. And you got to see sometimes when I walk around hotel lobbies with my Bible, you got to see the reaction of just holding a Bible. In a lobby people look at you and and wonder who are you you're holding a Bible and I love the questions that are asked and it's just a a Bible here you got three men in front of I don't know how many thousands of people There is a command from the king that if everyone does not bow, they will be thrown and there is the furnace highlighted. Everybody can see it. You will be thrown into the furnace and you will give your life for something as simple as just dropping and bowing to the image. I wonder where we're at. And when we put ourselves in the story that we share with the children, I have to say the children would probably say I wouldn't bow because they've been raised right because they were taught about what, what Exodus says in the commandments. There's only one God. There's only one living God, that same God that Jesus Holy spirit and God, the father, they are the only one. That we bow down to there's only one God and these Hebrew boys these Hebrew kids that were taken from their home from their parents from their relatives from their neighbors from those that surrounded them that believed everything they believed in now this test is put before them and I have to say church family that it's easier to come to church and preach among believers. But how hard is it as we leave the Naples church and preach? These young boys were not opening up their Bible and, and and repeating and reciting Bible verses, even though that's, that's a beautiful thing, but it was their actions. Their actions here were a matter of life and death. I get asked all the time when I go to stores, are you military? And I want to thank everybody here that is military. Thank you for your service for Pastor Art and for all of you that have served or are serving our country. But I get asked all the time, are you military? You know why? Because my father raised me in a way that I have to say, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Thank you. I can't walk in front of a young lady. I open up the door for the young lady. Do you understand? And it's not just in my parents' home. It's now as you go through life, those things stay with you. And what they were taught, the fear of God, that beautiful home that they were raised in, now it comes to memory. So this is why mommy taught me the beautiful songs that she taught me. This is why we went to church on Sabbath. This is why we went to Sabbath school. These are the things that we learned, you see, when we come here to church, it's to give each other strength and to say, Jesus is with you during the week. Now go out there and and proclaim it. It's not always with words, it's not always with an open Bible, but it's through your actions, the way you demonstrate that you're in love with Jesus. And now these three young men are faced with, 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 do we bow or do we not bow, even though as the story goes, it was never a doubt in their minds. So let's continue to read in verse 8. At this time, some of the astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. I love sometimes the way that the, the Bible words things. In other words, they ratted them out. You ever had that happen to you, or maybe you've been the one that has ratted somebody out? Do you remember that kids at school? So and so threw the pencil. Who threw this paper? Nobody says a word, but there's always one. Mary did. Well, Mary, go to the principal's office, right? So here are these, these men that are important in government, let's say. They have positions and they come to King Nebuchadnezzar and they tell him, do you remember that you made a decree? I'm trying to be quick here and trying to go through it quickly. Do you remember that, 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 that you, you said, O king, and your word is, is everything. When you make a law, you go through with it because you are powerful. And they filled his head with all of these things, and then this these guys proceed to say, Well, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, guess what? They didn't bow. There were so many people there the king didn't know. You see, sometimes we think that people don't see what we do. But when we get to heaven, there will be people there that will be there because of you. And I can imagine that some will approach and say, I'm here because of you, Danielle. And Danielle will say, but, but what are you talking about? I, I, what do you mean? Our actions are, are huge. Who we are, not only here, but out there is everything. Furious with rage, verse 13, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? So now they're on trial. And you gotta understand, thousands upon thousands of people pause to see what King Nebuchadnezzar will do. Will he really kill them? Will there really be a consequence? And King Nebuchadnezzar is talking to them Now when you hear the sound, because he liked them, guess what he was doing? He was going to give them a second opportunity. The world will give you two and three and four opportunities to see if you will fall again. To see if you will give up your God. To see if you will bend just once. Just a little bit. And that way your coworker can say he might call himself a Christian. She might say she's Adventist, but she is just like us. One of my neighbors has 8 cameras in his house. Every action counts. Every word counts. The way I treat my wife counts. The way I treat my children counts. The world is watching us. The world is watching what you're doing. Is that love that you proclaim, is it real, is it true? And here King Nebuchadnezzar is giving another chance, another opportunity. Shadrach, I like you. Meshach, you make me laugh. Abednego, I wanna continue to give you high fives every time you enter my kingdom. But you gotta understand the pressure that I'm in, guys. And he lowers his voice and he says, guys, just just bow down two seconds. Two seconds and we're done. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 16. replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not. And I'm sure that they were screaming this. We do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Conversation is not going well. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to do what? To deliver us, to save us from it. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. I want you to know these were, these were not regular young men. These were not normal young men. These were not just young men with with good manners. These were not just young men that that, that proclaimed and and dressed well and, and, and said the right things. That was not these young men. These young men were different. They were willing to give their lives. They were willing to die for the cause. They were willing to die for Jesus. They were soldiers of God. Their parents had done the work. Their grandparents had done the work. Their church had done the work. And here was the evidence that no matter what came their way, even if we were to die. You ever talk to somebody at their dying bed? We have. You ever talk to somebody that's about to die of cancer and they know they're about to die of cancer? Have you ever done that? You wonder, and and I've never been through something so horrific in, in my life, in my personal body and life, but it's impressive to see the love, the dedication that someone has when they're faced with death and they still say, I will still praise my God. Wow, that's where these young men were at, at an early age. And that's why I go across the state and I tell the church, this church started with young people, it will finish with young people. Because these were young men. These were not people that were in the church for 40, 50, 60 years. These were young men that fell in love with Jesus and were willing to die for the church. They were willing to die for Jesus. They were willing to die for their God. And here they are faced, they're on trial. Execution is about to take place. And they dare to look at the king in the eyes and say, Oh, king. We will not do what you're telling us to do, because we know that our God can save us. But even if he decides not to, we will die glorifying him. That's who we are. That's our love and commitment to Jesus. Now, I want to tell you, I could read a lot more, but I'll share with you quickly. They throw them in the furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar, this is a man of power, the most powerful man on the planet at the moment. And he says, (laughs) heat it up seven times more. I think he was actually doing them a favor. Because the hotter it was, the less they would feel it. They would die instantly. In fact, the soldiers that took them in, what happened to them? They died. So I think he was doing them a favor, but he was trying to make a statement. And they throw them in. These boys fall into the furnace. <laughs> and then I love what Jesus does. I love what God does in our lives sometimes. And I, and I love to hear the medical professionals sometimes or the authorities. We don't understand w- what occurred. No, I want you to know I understand what occurred. Jesus was, was with them. And Jesus is with us. And, and those that are not walking with Jesus, they don't understand that. They call them just stories of the Bible. I want you to know that God is alive and well today. I've seen it. Those miracles were not just in those days. Those miracles are today, and they're happening every day. But the world doesn't want you to hear that. The devil doesn't want you to know that, a lot, that Jesus is alive and well. And more today than ever, because he wants to save his children from this furnace that we're living in. It's hot out here. This is a crazy world and a crazy time we're living in. It is hot in this furnace. But I want you to know that just like with the three Hebrew brothers, King Nebuchadnezzar, the world looking out, when they look in, they go, but I thought there was three. That's how a person is able to say, I don't care how hot it gets. I'm not getting out of this furnace because Jesus is with me in the furnace. Do you understand? It's different. I don't mind if it gets hot, but if if Jesus is there, I want to be hot. And when King Nebuchadnezzar looks, he had to say, but wasn't it three? There's four and one looks like the son of God. Church family, I'm here and I've told you all of that to leave you with the fact that Jesus is with you. That's it. And there's story after story. And if I took the mic around, there is story after story that will testify that Jesus is with you. So we don't give up because we're in the furnace. We don't give in because they heated it up seven more times. We're faithful to what the church has taught. We're faithful to what we've been taught at home. And what we've been taught is that Jesus is with us, that he's coming back. Hang on, it's getting hot, but I'm coming. I'm with you. And then the most beautiful thing occurred was the testimony. If you keep reading the story, here is the beautiful part about it. Not only did did, did Nebuchadnezzar see that, Jesus was with them, that God was with them, but, but then he has to testify in front of all those people that he wanted to show his authority and power and strength in front of all of those people. He said, this is the living God. Did you see that? And then the decree changed. If anybody talks bad about their God, they will die. Keep reading. The decree all of a sudden changes. Not one person can say anything bad about their God. And that day will come. Do you know that? You see, all these stories just point to to what's going to happen. We live here on earth. You're in the furnace, but Jesus is with you. And the day will come that every knee will bow. And everybody will have to recognize that is the only God. It's called the second coming. And that's what the the Adventist church has been preaching from the beginning. The foundation of our church is Jesus. The foundation of our church is Jesus is coming to save us and take us home. That's what we preach. Everything else in between is because we're in love with Jesus. I wear my suit because if it takes my suit to preach Jesus, I love Jesus. I want to share Jesus. I'll wear the suit. You get it? You want me to grow my hair long down to my, to my hips, I don't know, to my side? I'll do it. I want to preach Jesus. Those are not salvation issues. So I beg you, keep preaching Jesus. Keep sharing with the people that Jesus is coming soon to take us home. There are so many promises, and I'll share these promises quickly with you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do you believe that? Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. And I will help you, Isaiah 41.10. Do not be anxious about anything. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and what? I love the prayers that we have. I love how we pray for our families, for our children, for our church. Keep doing it. That's what the Bible says. Second Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. But no, but now this is what the Lord says. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name. You're what? You are mine, Isaiah 43.1. Last one, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear what? Naples Church, God is with you. Jesus is with you. And the most beautiful thing I can share with you is that he's coming soon to make everything right and take us home. Let us pray. Father in heaven, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, that you have allowed us to open up your word this morning and be able to share the hope that we have in Jesus. Lord, I ask you to give us strength. Surround us every single day. Go with us. We proclaim your promises. And most of all, Lord, we can't wait to sing, to shout, to dance, to jump, to lift up our hands when you come in the clouds of glory and take us home. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Pastor Orlando, thank you for reminding us that God is
1: always with us. Yes, please. This week, I mean, I, Pastor Orlando, I was listening to your sermon the whole time, and I got to say, like, the testimony is real. Like, this week was a very challenging week, and I work in the medical field. So when it comes to being a CNA, I they be, they're called techs in the hospital. You run into a lot of difficult situations. My heart is racing right now, so give me a second. So I'm like trying to breathe, get a little nervous. But one of the things as, I mean, one of the things that I do is, you know, make sure that these patients are okay. And I've run into certain patients like that have dementia they test you. I've, I traveled all the way to Colorado and I was put into a dementia unit. And so you kind of have to deal with the, uh, them testing your patients, trying you and like finding ways to just, I mean, I don't think they intentionally find ways to do it, but it's just like when you do it, I mean, when you see it, you're just like, Whoa, how do I deal with this? And so in that moment when I'm taking care of this patient it kind of gets really messy they don't know what they're doing so it's just like they could be playing with their own feces if I may be a little unfiltered but it's just like they be playing with their own feces and you have to go clean them up then it's like that was what sunday through tuesday so i work sunday monday tuesday nights then i have rehearsal for a church that i play for on sundays and i did not have the songs memorized or anything like that though i've played them over and over i was just not in the right mindset and one of the things that i realized is like yes i had the responsibility of learning these songs but i was not prepared and you know in that moment you kind of get called out you feel like you you're not totally there and you want to do your best for god and in on the drive home i was listening to the song in the room and in that song, it speaks about the f- three Hebrew boys. And I'm a very spiritual person, so when I play the bass guitar, especially on Sundays, I make sure I listen to the songs before on Saturday, and you know, practice in my mind, and I sometimes with my bass guitar, and I feel the spirit. So when I heard how Jesus was in the room. There's a moment in the song where they start to get riled up. When Jesus is in the room, you better get up, get up, get up. And on the way home, I'm listening to it, listening to it. And I ask God for strength. One of the things that I realize when you ask God for certain things and you, you go through a tough week and you realize the things that you were going through are meant to build you up and get you get you to a point where you're just like, why am I going through all this is what I would say to myself. But when I see how I'm dealing with things, and if I were to tell these people that I'm, you know, going to rehearsal with, all they see is me not trying to learn the song, but they wouldn't know what I went through that week. So when you, when you listen to these songs and you start to make these correlations, and then you feel the spirit in a song and you, you God will find ways to connect everything, is what I'm saying. And so, on my way home, I'm just, I'm totally in the spirit. That energy that I had before, where I was so defeated and I got called out, and I don't like being called out. I don't like being told, oh, you're not doing your job. The one thing I wanna do is my job really well. And in that moment, God gave me the strength God gave me the, the the power to tell the devil that, nah, I, I will be all right on Sunday. I told the person that called me out, it's like, look, I'm going through this, but I promise on Sunday, I'm gonna be a whole different person. And hearing your sermon, I was literally crying in the back. And I'm just like, there's no way God just made that correlation. So I listened to the song that gave me strength in the very same, it's very same, story was being told and I had I don't read the Bible much but when I heard that correlation I'm like God you are here right now Amen. you you really touched me Amen. and I wanted to say something during um, when we were singing um, great is your name but I was just like this is my moment if someone in here is going through a tough week I one thing I ask you is how are you changing yourself each week how are you challenging yourself each week how are you able to see Jesus in your life when you're going through something difficult ask God why and he'll reveal it to you and then when he does praise him for it because if you didn't have Jesus in your life you would just go through it and have to deal with it by yourself I pray for everyone in here to go through that feeling know what it is to know Jesus in your life thank you